Yes, it is officially the 50th episode of Is Pharmacology Difficult Podcast? Felicitation, congratulations to you, to me and it deserves a real celebration. At the same time, I just want to share this wonderful accomplishment with all of you in a very special form. A very special episode I've got for you all and it will really touch the deepest cores of your mindset and your hearts because it is about one of the major problems that we all are dealing with. We may have this problem due to lockdown, due to other factors, due to so many things. And before I unravel the mystery of the topic of the day, I just want to again say for reaching one of the major milestones of my podcast. So without any delay, let me tell you what is the whole story all about. Welcome all to Is Pharmacology Difficult podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Radhika Vijay, MBPS MD Pharmacology. And this is the audio hub to get the best simplified basic tips, strategies, methods and lots of ideas to learn better, understand better and make your concepts crystal clear. If you really find and if there's a question hovering in your minds, is pharmacology difficult? Lend me your ears for a while and let in the magic of knowledge. Well, depression is very common in the youth. It's very difficult to identify whether it's their irritable mood or it's the real depressed mood. Now see, childhood depression is there. It evolutes eventually into adolescent depression and sometimes it stays there for a lifetime. It is much there at the onset of puberty, neither biological nor psychological nor social explanations sufficiently describe the mood changes. Children with chronic illness and somatic complaints, they are very, very susceptible to such syndromes. Developmental delays and the depression association, it goes sometimes totally neglected and that is the basic reason that cultures and fosters its gravity. Clinicians need to dig up the behavioral cognitive family factors that may essentially explain the causes and the etiology for such fluctuating, for such high and low and depressed moods. Abusive behavior is a major cause of depression in children aged 6 to 7 years because that is the tender age they start understanding what is abuse, what are the stress and what are different things and then they get into the gravity of all these things and sometimes they take it real seriously. Psychosocial etiological factors also play a great role in this particular age group. Sometimes there's a strong genetic component flowing in the veins of kids 
which makes them utterly depressed without any good reason. One very good example I want to quote here is that monozygotic twins have 76% according to one of the studies of together being affected and suffering from some sort of disorders. Yes, they get it together because they have a common genetic component. Now, slight amount of depression affects the child's normal cognitive function and development. You just cannot ignore it. When a child is not behaving normally, something is there that is striking him down, that is putting him down. If a child often complains of headaches, stomach pains, breathing problems, chest pain, etc., there may be a strong underlying health issue. Just dig it up. Something like anxiety and definitely depression. And you know what? Who are the first to recognize and identify all these problems? It is not the physician sitting at the hospital or dispensary. It is the family friend, the family physician, the primary person you consult for the basic ailments in the family. These family doctors, they are the first one to know and identify the kids' abnormal mood disorders. Now let's get into the details of the diagnostic part. What plan can be made? First and foremost, recognize, identify the problem. There may be a disease, there may be some sort of substance abuse, some drug abuse, some situational stress, some family problems. Single parenting, divorce, multiple fights, etc. There may be endless number of family problems. It's not a major psychotic problem. That is what you need to understand. It's basically for a child a, a temporary adjustment problem or an adjustment disorder. That's what exactly you can call it. Then there may be associated related problems seen sometimes in the children like personality disorder, anxiety, etc. It may lead to some very serious and major effects like sleep disorders, appetite changes, loss of activity, loss of interest, loss of focus on the work, lack of energy, lack of enjoyment, lack of having the basic fun good amount of weight gain can occur in the kids and yes they are they really look hopeless now later such problems may turn into serious bipolar disorders in the adulthood so do take care of them when the first bud appears don't ignore it don't neglect it now let's get into the treatment part of it see the first and foremost since we are talking about the kids we have to educate the parents yes that is what is required but then you say parents are educated they are vigilant that is why we get to know all these things but then again they require a lot of education they they need to understand the various strategies tips how to deal with their kids in real manners so the treatment plan can be divided into two basic streams. It can start with a non-pharmacological treatment and finally it ends up into pharmacological treatment. The basic challenge 
is to tailor the treatment plan according to the individual child's need. You have to identify the problems. Each and every child matters. So identify the problem, decide the therapy plan for him or her and then you have to constantly follow up or monitor that child. If the family problem is there, then definitely interpersonal therapy or the family therapy gonna work here. And the basic requirement is the intervention of the parent. Because that is what is leading to the cause of all this dilemma, all this problem, you know. Sometimes what happens, the individual child response is so less. He is not able to respond as an individual. So what can you do about it? Put him in a group. Yes, go for a group therapy. That would really help him out to come out and make him express what is going on inside. See, I'm gonna reflect upon the pharmacological treatment too because that is what we need to know about. So the basic group of the drugs that are involved in the pharmacological treatment are not the tricyclic antidepressants, they are not the monoamine oxidase inhibitors, but they are the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors and the serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. That is abbreviated famously as capital SSRIs and capital SNRIs. Okay? Now, see, FDA, the Food Drug Administration of USA, has rightly approved the capital SSRIs and the prototype drug is the floxetine for the 8 plus, that is 8 years and above age group of the kids. Then we have acetylopram for the 12 years plus age group. But we ought to know that paroxetine is contraindicated because it shows a lot of suicidal tendencies and withdrawal symptoms. Let's get to know the positive points about floxetine. It has a long T-half. It is a potent inhibitor of CYP2D6. And because of this particular attribute, it does show a lot of drug-drug interactions. So, what are the safer drugs? Cytalopram, acytalopram, they show less drug-drug interactions. And... As we are talking about such a lot of drugs and things like that, what comes into play is the cost of the treatment. Yes, the treatment cost now comes into play. It's very important consideration before we really get into the drug therapy. Then one more thing comes into play that is the adverse effects. The adverse effects they are seen generally with the systems like central nervous system and a lot of effects are seen on the sleep changes, headaches, tremors, apathy, etc. Then another system that is involved is the gastrointestinal tract. And other changes that can be seen are nausea, diarrhea, etc. Some other adverse effects not related to a system specifically, they are epitaxis, purpura, sinusitis, diaphoresis, diastolic hypertension, etc. 
you know there's a black box warning on all of the entire depressants especially for the children because they all may lead to behavioral activation ecthesia mania acute delirium etc you know there are certain assessment tools also to decide whether a person whether a child is really depressed or not let's get to know one of them it is the sad person scale the sad persons that is s a d p e r s o n s it stands for s is for the male sex it is given the number 1 a is for the age less than 19 and more than 45 it's given the number 1 then d is for depressed or hopelessness that is number 2 p is for prior suicidal attempts or psychiatric care given number 1 e is for excessive ethanol or drug use that is given number 1 and r is for rational thinking loss that is given number 2 and s is for single widow divorced that is given number 1 O is for organized serious attempts that is given number 2 and N is for none of the social support that is given number 1 and last comes our S that is for stated future intent that is determined to repeat or be ambivalent that is given the number 2 so if we have to add up what number the child is getting or the youth is getting and then if the score is between 0 to 5 it may be safe to discharge the patient the patient doesn't need any hospitalization if the score is between 6 to 8 then a patient or the child or the youth requires a sort of a psychiatric consultation if it is more than 8 then it demands hospital admission hospitalization and proper therapy and care got it okay Now that was one of the assessment tools I wanted to give you example of. Now all antidepressants they can induce mania in one and the other way in mo- almost all age groups. No antidepressants should be given when bipolar disorder is found in a particular child. It should be instantly stopped. If you notice After the giving of the antidepressant mania occurs in first to fourth week instantly stop the medicine The early indicators of mania they are hyperelated mood decreased sleep some sort of pressured speech and random rapid thoughts and thought changes okay so you can judge it by such behavioral alterations Another concern about the SSRIs is the serotonin syndrome that is one of the major potent drug interaction that occurs and it is actually lethal so do take care about it how you can recognize it it has flu like symptoms sepsis fever confusion agitation myoclonus ataxia tremor etc if the adverse effects they increase then you can switch on to a non ssri yeah that's a good advice to do that and what are these non ssri drugs they are bupropion venlafaxine mirtazapine duloxetine etc now they are wonderful they are actually suitable apt when a child or a youth has comorbidities Like let me give you some two examples if there's a depression with ADHD 
then bupropion is an apt drug. If there is depression with anxiety, then there is venlafaxine that is an apt drug. Now let's get to know a few important points about the treatment guidelines. Acute phase is actually between the 6 to 12 weeks. The basic treatment protocol demands to start the treatment with a low dose and then slightly increase it. Raise to the therapeutic dose in about one week. Then after four to six weeks, you have to monitor the therapy again. See, if the child is showing a positive response, you can consider to treat the child continuously for six to nine months. This is known as the continuation phase and its major goal is to prevent the relapse. But there are children with complicated severe cases which have a tendency of mania and suicide. So you have to continue the therapy for one to two years and that is known as the maintenance phase. Its main goal is to prevent the recurrence. Okay, mark my words, continuation phase to prevent the re relapse and maintenance phase to prevent the recurrence. If the child family is shifting, it is transferring, the parents are moving. If the child is having some exams, then the best advice is not to stop the treatment, but to taper the dose and don't stop it. Got it? Sometimes what happens, they can be unacceptable side effects. They can be failure of therapy. So find and be ready and go for the alternatives. And the best advice is to slowly taper down and cross taper the dose of the drugs. Okay. Sometimes a good advice is to augment the dose by adding second antidepressant, by adding a thyroid hormone stimulant, drugs like atypical antipsychotics and lithium etc. Now one good point I want to tell you about lithium is that it is a primary antidepressant in youth. It itself as a sole therapy it does work. And it is very good both in acute mania and depression, especially when I'm talking about the phases of the bipolar disorder. Okay. But there are some negative points about lithium. It has a narrow therapeutic window. The toxicity is much and these are some important therapeutic concerns. ADRs, adverse effects of lithium, they are good, good in range, good in amount. The major ones being skin problems, acne, etc. Then it may lead to hypothyroidism. It alters the fluid and the salt intake. Okay. Now, say a youth has a psychotic problem. Then your basic approach should be to deal with the underlying depression. And then go for an antipsychotic like olanzapine, risperidon. They are very suitable in 18 plus group i'm talking about the age group but if such symptoms are seen in a child especially i'm talking about a young autistic child then the apt drugs they are risperidone and arapiprazole and autism is generally associated with aggression so these are really nice drugs to treat such children okay other problems with these 
antipsychotics, maybe weight gain, metabolic syndromes. You can see a lot of alterations in lipid, cholesterol, glucose levels. One important treatment guideline tip, very, very important to note down, is always take care of the child's respect, integrity, confidentiality, and the basic patient condition, especially when you're treating a child and an adolescent, okay? Because that is the mainstay of the treatment. Your approach will decide whether a child will recover how worse it will go, how good it will go, everything depends on your treatment of the child. Now to summarize, let's get to know what is the moral of the story. First point, I want to tell about the primary healthcare physicians that are the top in the list when consultation is concerned. I'm talking especially about the family doctors. They harbinger to identify and recognize the child's problem. They are the first one to know it, the first one to get to know. Not even the parents sometimes get to know. The parents are really keen observers and they know their child the best, but even the family doctors, they are one of the best to know the child's problem. Second important thing, don't continue the devastating fatal suffering. Please go for a treatment. Don't just keep on observing and neglecting the abuse of the child. Children are important. Please respect their emotions and give them proper treatment at the proper time. They are the future of the society. How can you ignore them? Next point is treatment should be as per the proper guidelines, protocol and the therapeutic guidelines that I just discussed. Next important point, tailor the therapy as per the individual child's need, as per the individual child's problem and basic alterations of the mood, the child's state, etc. Next point, reserve the referral for the severe complicated patients. Keep the consultation as a priority. And the primary healthcare workers should be there to support the parent, the child, because they are the harbingers in the treatment, follow-up and everything. So that covers my special episode on the psychopharmacological treatment of depression. I discussed a lot of points. I discussed a lot of areas surrounding this particular problem. And I know this is one of the major problems in many countries and many homes, especially in this particular era of pandemic. And at the same time, there is a lot of learning. Children are sitting at home. They are going through a major change. They are in solitude. As far as the age group is concerned, they are not going to schools. They are not having a normal life. So... Be a keen observer, observe your child deeply, nicely, give them time, give them love, give them the right treatment, the right support and the right kind of attitude that they deserve it. Children deserve the best of everything. That's my basic essence and motto of having this special topic 
in this special 50th episode. This is actually a bonus episode. That's why I just cut the chain to refresh you all and refresh myself with a new stream of topic apart from the ongoing as a series. Got it? Okay. For all the updates and latest episodes of my podcast, please visit www.isfarmacologydifficult.com where you can also sign up for a free monthly e-newsletter of mine. It actually contains a lot of updates about the medical sciences, drug information updates and my podcast updates also. You can follow me on different social media handles like Twitter, Insta, Facebook and LinkedIn. They all are with the same name as Pharmacology Difficult. If you are listening for the first time, follow me whatever platform you are consuming this episode. Well, that's a humble request. Stay tuned. Do rate and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay enlightened. Thank you.